The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be looking at, uh, of course, again, <laughs> the lead-up to 9-11. Obviously, I'm... Uh, I'm focused on that. I've been doing a number of shows about that because, um, because I'm passionate about waking all of you up, not to make you feel scared and run under the covers and stay cuddled, <laughs> huddled up under your covers on 9-11 or any other days of the year, um, but I'm passionate about waking you up so that you're not still in denial, so that you can do things. And I'm not just talking about, you know, buying duct tape. I'm talking on a longer term level. I'm talking about uh, preparing yourselves physically and psychologically for this marathon that we're in, living under the ongoing threat of terrorism that is not going to be going away anytime soon, regardless of uh, Osama bin Laden being killed. So today we're going to be talking about, did you get religion on 9-11? And if so, where did you leave it? Many people turned to God on 9-11, but somehow they have been drifting away from their churches and synagogues and so on um, because it's not as much of an all-encompassing tragedy. Somehow we only, so many of us, just turn to God <laughs> when we're in a panic situation, when we're desperate. Um, oh, my God, OMG, and all that. <laughs> so... My guest today is going to help us try to sort all of that out. She is a theology expert. Her name is Beth Meisner. She's an ordained minister with a bachelor's and master's degrees in theology. And she is the author of Jesus and the Secret, where the Word of God and the Law of Attraction intersect. And we'll talk about that, too, because that's uh, that's another interesting question where God and the secret intersect, you know, and how come, how come that's not working? How come you can't just wish on things the way the secret tells you or the way people do tend to do with God? You know, God, please, I need a new car. Um, Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Carroll. It's great to be with you today. Yes, well, um, you know, I, this is a, a topic that is, uh, really, I think it's the most important or certainly one of the most important topics that are facing us today. Um, this whole idea of surviving in a world that has become so precarious. I mean, terrorism, number one, um, you know, the economy, of course, and so many other things. It's harder to wake up and face the day with a positive outlook with all of the things happening in the world and in one's personal life. Mm. 
I agree, and I like what you said in your intro about wanting to help us to wake up and to not live with a burden of fear. And I think a lot of what we're going through right now as a society and truly as a global community uh, is fear-based. Yes. A lot of opportunity for us to be fearful. Yes, absolutely. Um, Well, let's talk about, let's start with September 11th. Um, There was an article, a recent article in USA Today um, that says, it says it's um, entitled 9-11 Traced New Spiritual Lines. And it says, um, for millions of Americans, the immediate response to 9-11 was to drop to their knees in prayer. Sanctuaries filled for memorial services. Uh, Cardinal Edward Egan of New York remembers crowds overflowing St. Patrick's Cathedral, which of course is in the middle of Manhattan. A decade later, the soulful response seems fleeting. Statistically, the the rush to the pews was a mere blip in a long-standing trend away from traditional religious practice. Mm -hmm. Okay, what what do you what do you think of all of that? Oh, there's there's so many things to comment on just in that one paragraph. I think it is true that we did see an upsurge in attendance, whether it was in a church or a mosque or a synagogue. And truly, as time passed and things happened in their lives and our lives that took us further away from that event, um, we started to see our attention and our focus shift until the next tragedy, whatever it was that was affecting us, came along. And I think that goes to speak to how we tend to live our lives on these roller coasters. And we go, we go down when things are frightening and dark and, and, and dreary and scary, and we go up when things are looking up and we're excited. And I think that when we have tragedies that impact us in our lives, whether it's something that is impacting us on a global scale or a national scale or just in our own personal life, we tend to turn to religion to make sense of it. And I think that's what happened. Yes, and and um, we want to believe that someone is taking care of us. That's right. We that's turn right. to God like we would to, you know, mommy or daddy when we were little and scraped our knee. Sure. Uh, and in the hopes that someone will sort of pick us up into their bosom and and tell us it's all going to be okay. And for many, they felt that and they got that experience, but for others, they became embittered and turned away because what, what they say or feel God allowed disappointed them and hurt them deeply. Mm, now that's so it went both ways. So you mean the fact that God allowed 9-11 to happen? That's right, and not only 9-11, but then the economy collapsed, and now people are out of work as well, and then we've been hit with hurricanes and tornadoes and floods, and so where is God in all of this? How could he let this, he or she, whatever your belief is, allow this to happen? So we see it going both ways, where it is driving people to their knees in desperate prayer, crying out for you know, Abba, Papa, Daddy, to come and and fix things, or they're turning away from their faith and turning away from religion because they see, you know, a sense of meaninglessness. Well, now, okay, that's interesting. Um, Now, before the show, you were telling me about how you, um, that you minister to the church homeless. That's right. (laughs) Do you want to explain that? Because that's, 
my prelude to asking you what you tell them. <laughs> sure, sure. I I have really seen since nine eleven, and it was it was building up before that. But but in my own life and my own uh, ministry, I have seen a movement away from traditional faith practices. Um, there seems to be a sense of emptiness in just going through rituals in whatever your faith might be, that there, there is a need for a deeper connection with the divine that is a daily practice that's a, a discipline or something like that. And so we've started in uh, California and then spreading to other parts of the United States now something called the Journey Center, which is a non-church spiritual center. We are Christ-based because we, we are in the Christian faith, but we're open to other faith traditions. And as a matter of fact, we're studying other faith traditions. And that, too, is a response to what has happened uh, with 9-11, that we want to understand our neighbors. We don't want to look at, in, in my own community, we don't want to look at those attending a Muslim mosque or a Jewish synagogue or some other Christian faith as our enemies, they're our neighbors. And how can we, how can we be better neighbors and how can we be better friends and learn to love each other? And so that's our focus in the Journey Center. And I've seen more people who are looking for something that's non-traditional, a way to express their faith or learn more about their faith, and they're going to spiritual centers. Hmm. And and how is that different? I mean, are, aren't there, I mean, you must have traditions or, or rituals as well, or do you do it totally differently? Well, yes, to both questions, we do have some traditions that you're going to find in a, in a typical Christian church, but, you know, there are a lot of different traditions just within that faith. And I think 9-11 brought that out, that there are many different traditions in the Muslim faith as well. And as an as a, a American that grew up in a Christian church, I don't know, didn't know what the, Christ, the Muslim traditions were. I didn't realize there were different sects and different levels of belief and different uh, teachers that they follow just like we do, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it helps to dispel some of those fears to learn more about other faith traditions and to incorporate some of those practices into our own worship as well. For example, meditation. We have twice-weekly meditations in a garden where it's a spiritual uh, discipline of silence, much like you would find in, in Zen Buddhism. Um, and so we're not, we're not looking to blend spiritual practice. We're looking to incorporate mm. helpful spiritual practices that walk us along our own path and on our journey. Hmm. Yes, that's very interesting. It is interesting, and we're finding that we're bringing along people who are already in a traditional church, um, but they're looking for something in addition to that to deepen their walk, and we're finding that we're attracting people who have been disillusioned by a traditional faith setting because they don't need another social outlet. They want a spiritual path, a spiritual journey, and those are the kinds of people that we see coming into the Journey Center and and joining us. Hmm. We don't have a service. We don't have a hymnal. We don't have a preacher. We're just a spiritual community of believers who are searching and seeking and learning and growing together and, and learning to love each other and other people's. 
not just people who look like us and act like us and believe like us. Yes, well, that, that's, I mean, it is true that, um, see, it's interesting, though, because on the one hand, I, I think people do want something more than, um, you know, than the same, I mean, it, it's, it's a paradox, because mm-hmm. on the one hand, people want something more, they, they, they want to feel something more deeply, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, there is something very reassuring about, continuing the traditions yes. from whatever religion you're in. Absolutely, and I think we should hold on to those as well, but expose ourselves to other kinds of traditions, too, that are beautiful, that are um, inspiring, and that take us deeper and to those levels you're talking about. It's, we, we don't, um, if, if we hold on to a narrow faith tradition, we don't get that variety, I think. I love practicing the Sabbath, and that's typically a Jewish practice or, or an Islamic practice. You don't see too many Christian denominations really practicing a Sabbath. Yes. So, you, so you mean you just <laughs> use it as an opportunity to um, to uh, give up work on Saturday? <laughs> oh, it's it's, a, and we need that. We need that day of replenishment and. And I keep my Sabbath from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, like the Jews do. You know, and I love, I love the synchronicity and the the um, just the community that I feel when I practice, in particular here the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, I it works um for me. <laughs> no, I <laughs> as a Jew, I uh, I. <laughs> I don't practice it enough, actually, yeah. <laughs> because I'm yeah. too driven by so many other things right. having to do with with work. Well, <laughs> and at the Journey Center, we even talk about practicing Sabbath every day in some respect. Uh-huh, yes. We just have that sense of being at rest every day. Yes, yes, and being able to contemplate higher spiritual values. Every day. Well, we mm-hmm. need to take a break. Um my guest is Beth Meisner. We're talking today about uh, 9-11, and did you get religion on that day? And if so, what happened to it? You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. 
Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Explore the power and beauty in yourself and in others. Tune in to The Stacey Stern Show, enriching you. Every week, Stacey Stern will connect you with men and women who are living and working from a place of passion. Stacey's guests include successful authors, filmmakers, actors, experts, and leaders. You'll hear what inspires each of them, and you'll be turned on to great films, books, and new media. Tune in to The Stacey Stern Show, enriching you, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is theology expert Beth Meisner. We're talking about, did you get religion on 9-11? And if so, where did it go? Um, Beth is a an ordained minister. She has a bachelor's and master's degree in theology. She's the author of Jesus and the Secret, where the Word of God and the Law of Attraction intersect. And I was... Um, Referring before to a USA Today article, a recent article, um, and let me read you another another part of it because it's it's really a paradoxical, very curious um, article. It, uh, it says the number of people who are unchurched, who have not attended a service or event other than a wedding or a funeral in the last six months, increased from 24% in 1991 to 37% in 2011, according to this decades, two decades of study. So, so the number of people who, who are unchurched, who, you know, don't regularly, well, as they defined it, who hasn't, haven't attended a, a, a religious service, um, other than a wedding or a funeral in the last six months. So in other words, people who don't regularly practice uh, or at least regularly go to, um, I presume they mean a church or a synagogue or a house of worship, in the last six months regularly. So, um, so that has increased significantly from 24% in 19... Now, it's interesting because, of course, 9-11 is right in between um, 1991 and, mm-hmm. and 2011. Um, so, but but the bottom line is that in 2011, <laughs> 10 years after 9-11, and with all of these problems um, that we are having, personal problems, and well, and societal problems, economic problems, and so on, um, and the ongoing threat of terrorism, uh, that that more people are unchurched, which kind of goes to um, and of course, presumably there was the spike in the middle of those of those statistics on around 9/11. But um, it kind of goes to what you were saying. The other part of this that, on the one hand, when there is a tremendous tragedy like 9/11, people are 
people flock into uh, houses of, of worship. But um, but now that um, that there isn't a well, but now that there isn't an event like that, but there is this general uh, disillusionment with God. You know why? Why did you make the stock market uh, go down? For example, um, you know people are. I mean, it's a combination of people feeling that there isn't a global crisis like nine eleven, but on the other hand, also being disillusioned that we're not being protected more in our personal lives. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what do you make of all of this? Well, I think there are some different things to consider when we're looking at the statistics as they're presented in this article. And I like the point that they mention in this article that weekly church attendance in the New York area is actually up from 31% in 99 and 2000 to 46% in 2009 and 2010. And the fact that nearly all Americans consistently say, and every time the Barna Group does this type of a study, that they 95% of Americans consistently say they believe in God or higher power. So I'm not so worried as a theologian and, and as a Christian that I need to defend the faith or that I need to somehow we are losing our faith in America because what I think we're seeing is people wanting to express their faith in a different way that doesn't involve perhaps weekly church attendance. I have to be honest and say, according to this statistic, I would be considered unchurched as well because I don't go to a regular weekly church service. Well, you know, yes, okay, you bring up a good point. Yes, they're, they're in the following paragraph, it's, it's so interesting, though, that New York, uh, I mean, they make the, the original statistics that I quoted seem to be, it doesn't, seems to be a general statistic um, mm-hmm. about, geographically sort of a general statistic in terms of the unchurched increasing from 24% to 37%. And yet in New York, um, it does say that weekly, which is kind of a different measure actually, Mm -hmm. but weekly church attendance is up um, from 31% before Mm 9-11 to 46% in 2009-2010. So why, <laughs> yes. why would New York, um, unless you know, unless it is um, maybe maybe those certainly in Manhattan, um, yes. in terms of what I was saying before about people being in denial, and and right. that's what I write about in the first chapter of my book, coping with terrorism, dreams interrupted. Certainly um, in Manhattan, less people are in denial. Yes. Than in any other part of the world. That's right. Um, so maybe that is part. Of, maybe the 2009-2010 increase in, in weekly church attendance has to do with the approaching um, 10th anniversary of 9/11. I don't it, know. It's a it very. It is a confusing statistic. Is that the New Yorkers are were deeply impacted by that event. It was a personal crisis for them. For me out here in California, not so much. It was a global crisis. I felt, oh, I was devastated, and I I wept, and I painted my car, we love you, New York, and USA, and put flags on, and I spent more time in prayer and prayer groups. But it wore off quicker for me because I wasn't personally impacted by 9-11. 
Um, and I think that's the key right there. Well, you know, okay, I- I'm from New York. I was born and raised in New York. And um, I lived in um, I, <laughs> I lived in Manhattan at the, you know, I went from uh, different boroughs, lived in different boroughs, but um, I lived in Manhattan at the end before I moved to California. Mm-hmm. And even though I've lived in California for quite some time, um, I do still feel more personally connected to New York than probably people who have grown up in California or in other parts of the United States who who didn't live in New York. But um, but you know the, the the truth is though that that we need to recognize that I mean yes of course and and people who live there and saw it and, and don't mm-hmm. see the towers anymore mm-hmm. and and. Um, uh, I was talking on a recent show about how I had been to the site of the to Ground Zero and how what an un, unbelievable, indelible experience that is to to see that hole in the ground. Wow. But um, but you know, really, all our lives have changed, and that's part of uh, part of what I I'm trying to get people to recognize that that it was sort of a wake-up call to the fact that there are terrorists, not just the uh, ones that you know were directly involved in 9-11, but there is an ongoing movement mm-hmm. uh, throughout the world of people who want to, whose religion mm-hmm. tells them to um, destroy the infidels, who want to bring down the Western society. I mean, I know that that's, and I'm, certainly not all Muslims are terrorists, so I want to make sure I say that, but... Right. There are, that is part, you know, of the extremist, the fanaticism, um, you know, that is part of that religion uh, for, for some people. For the more, um, you, uh, you know, I mean, people will argue about that. There are some people, of course, who say that it's, it's in the Koran for all people. But we don't have, to, I mean, I, I don't know, I'd like to know what you think about that, but we don't really have to get into that if you're not comfortable with it. <laughs> no, I, I po- am comfortable with it, okay. and I think that one thing we don't want to leave out is that even Christianity and even Judaism have sects that are very militant and that are extremists and who want to kill those who don't believe like they do. It's not exclusive to Islam. Well, I, I can't. I'm not. A, I'm not as much of a um, theology scholar in Christianity, but certainly in Judaism, there is no passage that I am aware of that talks about killing all the infidels. Right, right. We do look in the Old Testament and we see example after example of genocide that was commanded by God that puzzles us today. We don't understand that and and it was it's there in our own scripture, so it's hard it's hard to wrestle with those things. Well, I again, I I you know, I've I've been um <laughs> I've been in, involved in synagogue since I was uh, right, well involved since right. I was a little since I could sit in a synagogue. But I mean, I went, I've been uh, confirmed and all that. I'm in the choir of my of my temple now for the high holidays. Um, I mean, I know something about the Jewish religion. Absolutely. And um, the, again, there is nothing in there that talks about killing infidels and not right. this, uh, globally. I mean, not to kill anybody who doesn't believe in Judaism, like. In the Koran, there are things um, about killing infidels, killing people who either either getting them to believe like you do or yes. uh, destroying them. Right, right. And one thing that I wrestle with and, and we as Christians wrestle with is 
that very thing that is, let's look at the book of Revelation, that all those who do not accept Christ will be burned in a lake of eternal burning fire and those kinds of things. So we have that imagery in our religions. I think what might be important to separate out is what is the difference between practicing a religion and being a spiritual yes. or a spiritual being. And there are very peaceful spiritual Muslims. I have friends that have we had just had a conversation on Friday who absolutely reject those teachings, whether they're in their holy book or not, they reject them. Yes. And they don't uh, have that preached to them in the synagogue, just like we don't have oh. it preached to us on, on Sunday, and you're not hearing that in, in your uh, Jewish synagogue either, um, or their mosque, rather, I should have said. But um, it, where... Yes, I, I was a little, that was a little confusing. <laughs> synagogue, mosque. We, where do we have the grounds of commonality, and how can we reach across ideological, ideological boundaries and drop some of the tribalism that we have seen 9-11 result in? Because we have seen more tribalism since 9-11. Yes, yes, that's absolutely true as well. It, it is a very... It's a very fine line, and we have to. We need to to draw a line um, to take a break right now as well. So, my guest, um, we're talking today about 9/11 and getting religion, and we're getting into all kinds. That's what happens when you start talking about religion. All kinds of uh, difficult areas. My guest is Beth Meisner. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Beth Meisner. We're talking about, did you get religion on 9-11? And if so, where is it? Where'd you lose it? Where'd you leave it? Um, you know, religion is such an emotional topic. I mean, <laughs> here you even hinted at the possibility of, um, of there being anything about killing, you know, anything comparable um, in the, I guess you were referring to the Old Testament, and right away I have to protect the Jews, you know, yes. as a Jew that I'm, 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 uh, and, and cite you, um, my years of, of connections of, uh, of, with Judaism being confirmed and so on, being in the choir of my temple. <laughs> but, you know, I do feel very, um, I guess very, especially now with all of the issues with the Palestinian state and so on being raised, um, I do feel very protective of um, of making sure that 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 Judaism is understood and and people in general, whatever religion they are, are very um, get very defensive, get very protective, you know, about their own religion, which is why we've had religious wars for centuries. Yes, and is. and why you know um, we're having terrorism today, and um, so during the break, uh, I was saying to Beth that uh, when I was writing my book, coping with terrorism, I you know I, I have done and I continue to do um, a lot of research both into uh, the the teaching pe- with people who were more um have a more a history of being better better deeper uh scholars in the muslim religion than i am certainly and also people who um were very involved with terrorism and so um through the, that research you know that's how it was it's been explained to me and pointed out to me and passages have been read to me and so on about uh what is in the quran about Killing the infidels and so on, but and you made some really good points about that that I'd like you to share. Sure, thank you. Um, I did not hear the moderate Islamic voice that I'm hearing today after 9/11. I didn't hear moderate imams standing, uh, speaking out and condemning the action. And I think that part of that is because they're afraid of their terrorism too. These individuals who are the most extreme in Islamic belief, they are going, they are actually killing Muslims as well who don't have the same level of belief that they do. And you look at the conflict in Iraq with the Shias and the Sunnis. They are killing their own, they don't even consider them brothers. They consider them infidels as well. So there's fear there too. And I'm very, very 
relieved and glad to hear the moderate voices now speaking up, speaking out, um, stepping forward, kind of letting go of the fear like you talked about in the very beginning of this show, uh, to step away from the fear. I'm actually going to Israel in 10 days. And as I watch the bombings and the rocket fire going back and forth, it makes me fearful. But I also look at that and think, no, I can't stop living my life and stop speaking from my heart and my beliefs out of fear. I'm not going to do that because when I do that, then then you know fear and the proponents of fear win and i don't want i don't want to let them win in that way yes absolutely and of course when when there weren't moderate muslim voices speaking out that of course um caused people to be caused even more prejudice that's right um you know if they're not speaking out against this then they must agree with this that's right and i believe i think probably most of us see that 9-11 heightened our tendency in many ways to become polarized. But I hope it's also helped us see that we need to understand more about each other's religions and faith in order to break down those barriers. We're still, like I said before the break, we're still very, very tribal. Even within our own faith, we can be tribal. There are many, many different branches of Judaism, Orthodox, Reformed, etc., and same with Christianity, and we don't tend to overlap very much, even within our own faith. So how amazing would it be if the senselessness, the deaths of Christians, Jews, and Muslims, atheists, and everyone in between, wasn't in vain at 9-11, that we have learned, hopefully, more about living with our higher spiritual values coming from a deeper place inside, no matter where we are, religiously, and whether we're going to church on Sunday or Saturday or Friday or we're not. Now, what did you, um, what do you think about, or what have you experienced as far as seeing people um, coming to the, the church homeless, um, the, the journey center that you are involved with, or just in your observations in general? Um, do you think that, that events, um, tragedies like 9-11 or personal um, crises like, well, as it talks about in the article, divorce, losing your job, death, and economic instability. Um, it, it, actually, the article says national and global events can get our attention for minutes and weeks, but personal crises, divorce, losing your job, death, and economic instability really can recalibrate spiritual priorities. Um, this is uh, the pre- David Kinnaman, who's the president of the Barna Group, who did all this uh, statistical research. What, what have you experienced? Most people who wrestle with their faith and their beliefs and what they, what they believe and what they understand about religion and God, most of them wrestle with that because of or out of personal crises, personal impact. We're impacted by what we feel the most deeply. And the loss of a child, a a divorce, um, loss of a job, those are things that tend to turn us as a as a humankind inward and we we can often turn to religion to try to make sense out of that. What we teach, what I teach is uh, having a focus 
in your life, and I write about this in Jesus and the Secret, that our focus in life keeps God in the center, no matter what's going on around us, and we look at our our life and the experiences that we have in our life with a telescope, not with a microscope, so that looking at things that are happening in our lives with a telescope helps us see a deeper meaning and a purpose for those things. If I, thank God, I've never gone through a divorce, but if I've had that happen in my life, how does that prepare me and equip me to comfort someone else who has that going on in their lives? In that way, I'm laying down my life for my neighbor ahead of time by being willing to go through tough things with you know, a positive attitude, with a positive outlook. The secret and the law of attraction teaches that what you focus on expands. And as I focus on gratitude and positive characteristics and positive attributes, that's going to blossom and bloom and expand in my spiritual life as well. I hope and guard against that roller coaster I was talking about with you earlier where we lose our faith and we can lose our hope and we can actually become angry. It's not a, not a bad thing, not wrong to be angry with God, but to the point where it makes us turn away from our beliefs entirely, I think then it becomes a bad thing. Well, now, uh, could you talk more about that? Where what you talk about in your book, where the Word of God and the Law of Attraction intersect? Where does the Word of God and the Law of Attraction intersect? There, there's so so many passages in Scripture, and my my book is part Bible study, Old and New Testament. Um, as well as just kind of where are these areas of intersection. I think there are, and I obviously don't want to get into all of them, but there are seven main points of intersection in Scripture with the secret. And the one I spoke about a minute ago is what you focus on expands. And I think God, uh, if your focus is on God and the things in your life that are good and lovely and pure and of a good report, to quote Paul, um, the focusing on the good that can come from your trials, uh, constantly tuning in your, uh, I talk about tuning into a radio station and how the radio station sometimes can shift and you've got to just adjust. And we keep tuned into the positive and the, the beneficial and the blessing that that expands in our life, and that's also taught in the secret. Um, another big one is ask and you shall receive. You know, that was a formula that was used in the secret that was taken straight from the Bible. And I talk about what does that mean to ask, believe, and receive? And how can we look at that from the point of Scripture and tying that into uh, asking according to God's will? It's not a laundry list of things that you want for Christmas. I want the hot car. I want the big house. I want the devoted husband. But what are the spiritual attributes? that I can ask for, knowing from Scripture that those are things that God desires for me as well, and Mm. seeing that manifest in your life. Okay. But, you know, one of the things, um, one of the problems, I've watched The Secret, I I have The Secret, Mm -hmm. I I believe in general in that, but um, one of the things that's hard to sort of reconcile with it is, the saying, God God helps those who help themselves. Mm-hmm. So how do you reconcile that with ask, believe, receive? You know, I think that another way to put that is to ask. We ask God for what it is we feel we need or we want, but then we go about 
focusing on it in our lives as if it's up to us. And then in that way, I believe God brings that through us and through our own actions. There's With ask, believe, receive, you can't leave out the step that is the application of um, however you're going to get that goal. I don't think you can just sit in the, car, in the couch and imagine the leather of the, the seat of the car around you and hear the engine of the car and feel like you're driving the car. You've got to take some steps to make it happen, too. Okay. All right. Well, we need to take some steps to take a break and then come back. <laughs> Do come back. My guest is Beth Meisner. We're talking about did you get religion on 9-11 and did you lose it somewhere? And you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. With my guest, Beth Meisner, she is a theology expert, and uh, she is the author of Jesus and the Secret, Where the Word of God and the Law of Attraction Intersect, and we were just talking about that. Um, that's interesting that you, um, you know, that you agree that it's not just about sitting there and wishing or, ima- or visualizing and imagining and smelling and all that, all these things that you uh, want the universe to bring you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those things are very, they're very beneficial, they're, they're necessary. They start up a section of our brain that's known as the reticular activating system. 
The RAS is what kicks into gear whenever you buy a new car and all of a sudden you notice everybody else is driving the same car. (laughs) You never noticed it before because your awareness is now on that make and model and color of car, and so that's what you're seeing. When you set a goal, let's say, for example, I want to, you know, lose 10 pounds, all right? When I set that goal and I envision myself in that size 6 skirt and I have a picture on my fridge of that toned woman that looks how I want to look, my RAS is activated. I am going to make different choices. I'm going to be motivated in a different way. Um, You know, you do all of those things to actually help yourself take the steps needed to get there. It can feel like it's just manifesting or just showing up, but you're playing a part in it and mm. don't believe you're not. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that is, that's a truth. So, Well, now, um, so you were saying that you're going to be live, leaving for Israel in 10 days, and I was saying that I was really jealous. Yes. And, yes. Um, and, uh <laughs> Sometimes I fantasize about giving up my life here and moving to a kibbutz in Israel. Oh. <laughs> How about just taking a, a three-week sabbatical or a three-month sabbatical and yeah. do it? You don't have to do it permanently. Yes. Although yes. you'd get over there and you might not want to come back. <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, I've been there once, and it was inc- an incredible, incredible experience. Um, what are you going to be doing on 9-11? You know, in 9-11, my, I'm looking around in my own community here, and there really isn't anything planned um, that I can, could go to, and I'm really wanting to do something that's interfaith. Um, and so what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to invite people from different faith traditions to come to my home, and we're going to re- reminisce. We're going to talk about where we were. We're going to light a candle. We're going to pray together and break bread together. I think that's the the thing I want to do. That's how I want to do it. Well, that sounds that sounds wonderful. Doesn't it sound um, wonderful? And you know, I want to tell my listeners that uh, <laughs> I want to give them your address. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to tell all of you that regardless, I mean, that's a wonderful idea, and everybody listening could do the same thing. Absolutely. You could invite people um, of different faiths. You could invite people of your own faith. It doesn't matter. You can invite people um, just who you care about mm-hmm. and um, where you can do simple things like lighting a candle, talking about where you were on 9-11, exactly what Beth is saying, um, talking about this country, talking about seeing what what you would like to see for this country in the next ten years, um, you know, even envisioning that, doing a vision board of what you would like to see for America in the next ten years, um, being protected, not having terrorist attacks, and so on. Uh, I also want to talk about, you know, one thing that concerns me. Of course, we know that we're always under the the potential threat of a terrorist attack. I mean, it doesn't have to be the anniversary or certainly not the 10th anniversary. Um, But, yes, obviously there are people out there, whether they are lone wolves, you know, there have been reports about uh, um, being concerned about lone wolves, in other words, people who don't necessarily, uh, who haven't been to a training camp of Al-Qaeda, for example, but um, who are angry, you know, and there are a lot of people who are just especially with the economic situation or with personal situations, um, 
divorce or, or, you know, somebody breaking up with them, whatever. There are enough bad disappointments to go around and people, um, and enough people who are really, have been under so much stress, whether it's what I call terrorist stress syndrome or, um, just their own personal stresses and, um, more people who are being pushed to the breaking point who can then become what one could call a lone wolf um, who wants to take out their anger and their feeling of being deprived or their feeling that other people have it better, mm-hmm. um, being angry at the world and doing all kinds of things just to express that anger that they have been living with until they finally exploded. So there is that danger and of course you know, there's, uh, along with that, there is everybody wants these days more than ever to get their 15 minutes of fame, and they know that if they do something dramatic, um, take out their anger in a dramatic way, that they'll get media attention, and people who have given up hope and feel desperate and, and just want to get, to go out, you know, in a, in a blaze of, of, uh, infamy, um, and then, of course, there are still the terrorist cells that aren't necessarily dependent upon uh, Osama bin Laden or, or, you know, any of these other people who have been killed or, or you know, the links that have been destroyed and have their own cell already within their community. Um, so, so uh, I think that you know there and there have been hints in the in the news lately. I don't know, um, Beth, if you've been noticing this, but I'm so um, exquisitely attuned to it, but people talking about um, how in the news about uh, that that uh, Al-Qaeda or in general terrorists have been talking, well, they've been talking about this for years, since <laughs> since before 9-11, um, people getting planes and, and using small planes for um, spreading all kinds, I'm not going to, I'm purposely being vague here, but spreading uh, all kinds of things that would be dangerous for other people. So um, the reason why I'm going through all of this is because I'm trying to tell all of you listening that you want to surround yourself with people who you care about on 9-11. You want to um, take whatever precautions you think uh, you feel (laughs) that you're not in denial about um, whether that is, you know, stocking up on water and food and flashlights and batteries and radios, hand hand ba- radios that, uh, well, that you can either use batteries for or hand-cranked radios and so on, um, or going to places that are a little outside of the main, if you live in a big city, going to someplace that's a bit out of the main part of the city or less of a likely terrorist uh, threat, like not a mall, for example. Mm. Um, you know, I, I know probably, I'll bet 90% of you are saying to yourself, oh my God, here she goes again, being a scaremonger. Um, we don't need this. But, you know, this could happen any day, but certainly there, there is more for a wannabe terrorist to, um, or a real terrorist to be gained by picking whatever it is that they'd want to do on the 10th anniversary of 9-11. So I'm just saying, that uh, I'm just saying <laughs> um, that you may want to take some precautions here and um, and in any case uh, to do what Beth is talking about, even if you don't believe anything bad is going to happen, just to do something positive in the world, which is um, to gather people around you and to, to still take note. Don't make 9-11 
like any other Sunday or any other day, do something to honor the people who have died, to honor the people who are fighting for our country today, um, and to, to express appreciation and gratitude for the liberties that we have in this country and all the sacrifices that have been made so that you um, can live in this land of liberty. And that's uh, that's what I have to say with a lot of feeling um, as we go towards 9-11. And thank you, Beth. Again, my guest has been Beth Meisner. Her center is called the Journey Center. It's in California, and she is the author of Jesus and the Secret, Where the Word of God and the Law of Attraction Intersect. And that sounds like a really interesting and thoughtful book. So thank you all for listening, and stay safe on 9-11. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 